Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Well, coming up, we are getting ready for NFL Conference Championship weekend. Two games on Sunday. You've got the NFC Championship between the 49ers and Rams, and then, of course, you've got the AFC Championship between the Bengals and the Chiefs. I don't think we'll be able to match what we saw last weekend, but we still have we still should have two pretty good football games coming up this weekend. Joining me in just a second to break it all down is NFL writer for CBS Sports, Cody Benjamin, friend of the podcast. He's going to give us his thoughts on the key matchups to watch in these two games. So uh, we'll look forward to talking to him coming up in just a few minutes. And then after we're done with that conversation, and I want to talk about a couple of former Eagles head coaches as well. We'll do that all coming up on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. But first, joining me to talk about this weekend's NFC and AFC championship matchups is Cody Benjamin, good friend of the podcast. He's an NFL writer for CBS Sports, author of the book Why We Need the Movies. And uh, I tell you, Cody is one of my favorite people to talk to when we're starting to branch out and talk about the rest of the league because he's pretty dialed in to what's going on in the NFL. So Cody, welcome back to Eye on the Enemy. How are you, man? I'm doing well, and you know what? You didn't even have to throw in the book shout-out, so I'm, I'm extra happy to be here. Um, no, it's always a pleasure to be with you, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking football. Sounds good. And, and by the way, follow Cody on Twitter at Cody J. Benjamin, and you'll, uh, you'll get some good stuff there. So um, let's break down the, the conference championships, and I'm just going to ask you a couple of Eagles uh, questions at, at the very end of this thing, just uh, sure. um, some basic stuff. But, you know, we're looking at a couple of games on this weekend, which I think could be really entertaining. Um, and, of course, uh, you know, in the AFC Championship, you have the Kansas City Chiefs who are coming off that ridiculous win against the Bills uh, last Sunday night, hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. The, the Kansas City Chiefs are seven-point favorites in that one. I know the Bengals just kind of escaped the Tennessee Titans last year by the skin of their teeth. Really, if Tennessee had any competence at all on offense with that final drive, they really probably should have won that football game. But uh, Cincinnati survives the the nine quarterback sacks. Joe Burrow makes a couple of throws there late in the fourth quarter. And uh, the rookie kicker they, gets it done for him. And the Bengals are on to the AFC Championship game for the first time since 1988. So I think the big matchup that I can see, Cody, here, and the one that I think is most concerning for the Bengals is, can their offensive line hold up against the Kansas City Chiefs defense? Yeah, that is the question. I think because, you know, you could say if the Titans had, uh, you know, any offense, they could have won that playoff game against them. But on the flip side, um, you could say, you know, if the Bengals were, you know, had allowed one more sack, if they had, you know, the, the, the protection there was just, it was really bad. I mean, historically bad. I mean, the Titans, you know, obviously in the record books there for that, that sack production against them. And Joe Burrow is, you know, he's so fun to watch because of his penchant and, and knack for, you know, the big play. Um, he's got the receivers to do it. I think we, we underrate even, you know, Jamar Chase has gotten so much talk this year, but, um, you know, Tyler Boyd um, and, you know, T. Higgins are both quality starting receivers as well. So he's got the weapons. It's just um, you want to you wanna have enough time to get the ball to those weapons. And so yeah. Kansas City, you know, a concern early on was their pass rush. And, you know, even having Chris Jones do more of that uh, from the outside. And, and so that was a talking point in Kansas City. But um, the fact is, if Kansas City can get any pressure, um, that, that's going to be a problem because this is a game where, you know, we saw the Bengals and Chiefs go head-to-head, and, and the Bengals mm-hmm. were able to 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 be the the the, the victor, victorious team in that match, yeah. the shootout. Yeah. But um, to match that is going to be a challenge. Where do you rank Joe Burrow among these really hot young quarterbacks in the AFC? Because, I mean, obviously, I think Mahomes and Allen – 
the the display that they put on last Sunday night was was just unbelievable. But Joe Burrow had an MVP caliber season too here with Cincinnati. Where where is he amongst your AFC's young gun AFC quarterbacks that we're watching? And just you guys throw Justin Herbert in the mix too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, when you when you said rank Joe Burrow, I was thinking beyond just the AFC. I'm thinking, you know, I think he's clearly a, a top ten NF NFL quarterback right now. Yeah. And so um, amongst the AFC, I mean, the AFC has a lot to be proud of in terms of you know, young signal callers. I mean, if you were to say, you know, who would you rather have right now, Justin Burr, Justin Herbert or Joe Burr? I mean, mix them up. They can go by yeah, right. either one. They're both good. Um, I think, you know, it's a toss-up. I really I really think both guys, um, you know, bring something to the table, and they bring that franchise Josh Allen-esque uh, talent to the table. I mean, man, if, if you're ranking them, um, just in terms of young guys, I mean, I think Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are closer than probably – people realize it and I'm sure oh, yeah. Bills fans are um you know we've seen you know just watching uh, the Bills in the playoffs this year how much uh just electricity he brings to that offense I think Josh Allen is is like 1B to Patrick Mahomes in terms of the AFC but I'd probably go um you know Mahomes and Allen right next to each other then Herbert then Burrow and then everyone else so I think it's it's such a great crop of guys up top there yeah, it's it really is, and you know you're looking at the next generation of uh, Brady, Manning, Roethlisberger of some you know in in some combination, or you know back in the old days where you had uh, Marino and and Dan Fouts and Bernie Kosar and John Elway, you know all these guys in the AFC that were just tearing it up. Um, really, the AFC has a history of just some phenomenal quarterback play, and we're kind of entering another golden era of that. I think here in the NFL, all four of these teams could be could be in the mix uh, over these next few years. So um, what does Cincinnati have to do here in, in order to get past Kansas City? I mean, Cincinnati's defense doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Buffalo's defense was the best in the NFL, and they got shredded by Kansas City. It, can anybody stop this offense? Is, can anybody stop Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey and what these guys want to do on offense? Yeah, honestly, uh, I, I know the audience is, you know, there's, there's going to be a heavy uh, percentage of Eagles fans. And I think that, um, you know, the Eagles defense is not obviously the standard you want to be using for uh, your performance in, in, no. in an AFC championship. But um, I think that, uh, you know, in that game when the Eagles played the Chiefs, um, you know, the Chiefs were able to do whatever they wanted to. Um, but, you know, one of the things you want to try to do, and I think one of the things they, they tried to do, uh, Jonathan Gannon and the Eagles, was was just keep things in, in front of you. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, for the Bengals, I think it's a matter of, you know, it's the AFC Championship. You know Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. You're not going to be able to stop those guys every drive. It's just, it's just a fact of life. And so if you can keep um, most of those drives in front of you, if you can – if you can get, you know, a couple three and outs, uh, if you can get one big turnover, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be on the margins. And we saw that in the last time that these guys, you know, played each other. Uh, so I, I think it's a matter of if the Chiefs have long drives, long methodical drives, that's a win for you. I mean, if they're mm-hmm. if they're getting in the end zone at the end of that drive, obviously, you know, holding them to a field goal, it's easy math. I mean, that's better than allowing yeah. the touchdown. But if Patrick Mahomes is taking uh, 10 minutes, and that's, you know, as opposed to he's got Tyreek Hill uh, on a one-play touchdown. Um, it's just, it, it's, it shortens the game a little bit for the Chiefs. I think that's the recipe for the Bengals. Looking at the the game they played, it was just a, a couple of weeks ago, and, and Cincinnati came back to beat Kansas City 34-31. to Kansas City put up 28 first-half points 
on the Bengals. And then the Bengals' defense shut them down in the second half and only gave up a field goal in the fourth quarter to come back. Joe Burrow threw for 466 and four touchdowns. And so you're, you're looking at an offense that, that did just a couple of weeks ago light up the Kansas City defense. And I guess if you're a Cincinnati fan, that game was at home, you know, so you definitely had the advantage there of playing at home. And we saw how difficult it is. We've seen how difficult it is to play in Kansas City. But what what kind of a puncher's chance do you give Cincinnati? I know seven point underdogs, that's a big number. What kind of a you know, what kind of a chance does Cincinnati have against the Chiefs here on Sunday? Yeah, so personally, I mean I would welcome the the Bengals upset just from a fan perspective in terms of, you know, there's 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 no I shouldn't say there's no pressure on the Bengals because, you know, they're one win away from the Super Bowl. Everyone wants to get there. It's not like uh, right. everyone everyone's right. just going to be happy with where they've gotten so far. But, you know, because they, they've never won a Super Bowl, they weren't expected to go this far. You know, Joe Burrow was supposed to be, this was maybe like, you know, I think I, optimistically Bengals fans were hoping that this would be where they were at in a year or two years or three years. And so... Yeah. The pressure, I'd say, is just a little bit less, um, you know, whereas the Chiefs are, they're trying to prove, you know what, our, our potential dynasty is still possible. Um, we're, you know, we can get back there and, and we can win it again. Uh, because last year, I mean, they got, frankly, a little bit embarrassed in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and they had for, you know, a good stretch of earlier this season, people saying maybe the Chiefs are, yeah, this is a little extreme, but maybe the Chiefs are fraudulent because mm. for a while Patrick Mahomes was, the turnovers were, stru- you know, the, the offense wasn't uh, clicking so well. So uh, honestly, I, I think that, uh, again, I would welcome, I guess, the drama of the Bengals actually making it to the Super Bowl, being this upstart team that gets there when no one thought that they would. But um, that's that's kind of where I think the heart is and, and my head is in a different place. I think this could be kind of a, not welcome to the NFL, but welcome to the the stage moment for the Bengals, yeah. um, because the Chiefs they've just proven, um, just in these last few years they've proven kind of like Belichick and Brady did in New England that, you know, when the game gets big they get big too, and they they really showed it at the end of that Bills game. I think they're going to win, and I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think there might be a little Chiefs fatigue around the country. But I also think with Eagles fans, we tend to gravitate towards the underdog, which is clearly the Bengals. Yeah. But there is still a strong pro-Andy Reid contingent. And I guess I wanted to ask you a question about Andy Reid because I've been kind of debating with people on Twitter about this during the course of the day. Let's say Andy Reid gets to another Super Bowl, and let's say he let's say he wins the thing. So he's been he's the only coach in NFL history to take four different franchises, two different franchises to four straight conference championship games. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's won one of them. He's obviously come up short a number of times, but he's won a ton of regular season games. He's looking for his 20th postseason victory here on Sunday afternoon. Let's just jump ahead a couple of weeks, and let's say the Kansas City Chiefs, who I think would be favored against either NFC team that they face in the Super Bowl. Let's say they win the Super Bowl again, and Andy Reid gets his second with Kansas City. Where does he rank in terms of all-time great coaches? Like In my mind, I think Belichick is one, and then you could put Andy Reid in the conversation with Lombardi, with Bill Walsh, with Tom Landry, certainly with guys like Don Shula and and Chuck Knowles, simply because of the era that he's had to coach in with free agency and salary cap and players changing teams more often than and the length of his career. I was kind of curious what you thought about Andy Reid and what his legacy would be if they win a Super Bowl here in uh, Super Bowl Fifty Six. What are we? What Super Bowl are we playing here? 50, this, is, this is Fifty Six. Yeah, we, we got to study our Roman numerals. I think. I know yeah, the Roman numerals are done. I can't yeah. take it. <laughs> Um, no, I'm with you. I think that actually, I don't even think it, it'd be much of a debate. I mean, if he wins the Super Bowl, 
I think in terms of, especially in terms of, you know, modern coaches, um, it's Belichick and it's Andy Reid after that. I mean, I think that when you just look at the track record, I mean, if you were to go through just year by year, um, his head coaching record, I mean, throw out the first season with the Eagles, you're talking 11 and 5, 11 and 5, 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 13 and 3, a down year when everyone got hurt in 2005, 10 and 6, 8 and 8, 9, 6 and 1, ending in the NFC Championship, 11 and 5, 10 and 6. I mean, guys would, you know, teams would kill to have that kind of, and that's yeah. just with the Eagles, and that's with right. no Super Bowl. And so you're, you're in the mix every time. And I, I was actually, you know, looking at Andy Reid's record recently with the Chiefs. You know, I think even I have underrated how well and how consistent he's been uh, with the Chiefs. I mean, if you go back to 2015, you know, from 2015 on, so you're, you're, you've got 11 wins, 12 wins, 10, 12, 12, 14, 12. I mean, that is, wow. that's absurd. I mean, that's, uh, and again, the quarterback has a big part of it, but that, just because he has Patrick Mahomes, you know, Andy Reid was part of the decision-making uh, contingent that brought Patrick Mahomes there that, you know, developed him during a quiet rookie year where he sat behind Alex Smith. You know, he's, uh, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but, you know, I think the whole thing just works together. Andy Reid is a huge part of that. Um, if he wins the Super Bowl, you're talking about a guy that, um, you know, for two decades has, has not only given his team a chance, but gotten over the hump twice. I think there's no question he's, uh, he's one of the greats uh, of all time. Let's talk about the NFC Championship game, which is, is also an interesting matchup here. Two NFC West uh, divisional opponents opponents who know each other very, very well. Uh, the number six seed, the San Francisco 49ers, after upset wins over the Cowboys and uh, then the Packers last week, traveling to L.A. to take on the Rams. The Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. The Rams obviously almost blew a gimme win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last weekend, but uh, Matt Stafford to Cooper Cup saved their, saved their bacon at the end of the game and uh, they moved on to the NFC championship. Um, I, I think this is a fun matchup as well, simply because you have two very different styles here. And this will be the third time these two teams have met this season. Kyle Shanahan has Sean McVay's number. He's beaten him twice this year and really handled the LA offense and Sean McVay's schemes and, and whatever he, whatever it is they, they try to do. And so I know the Rams are favorites in this one, but you know, I look at this game and I see if, if you were the 49ers, if you could have asked for any team to play in the playoffs this year, the fact that I would want if I would want the Rams because I know that I can beat this team. I know I match up well against this team. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the 40. What is the number one matchup for the 49ers to take advantage of a Rams team that is favored by three and a half? But I don't think anybody thinks is a lock to win this thing. I mean, I think their best matchup is in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I think that, you know, you could say the same thing for the Rams um, if you flip it and and say, you know, Aaron Donald uh, in the middle there. uh, They've gotten pressure from Von Miller, from Leonard Floyd. They've got guys, you know, working in the trenches on the other side too. But San Francisco, um, you know, with Nick Bosa and just the way they've, you know, the way that D'Amico Ryans has has, uh, really leaned on that defensive front, um, that's been huge, especially because that's the way San Francisco – wants to play. I mean, they want to be uh, defensive oriented. They want to be, you know, controlling the clock, running the ball, just controlling the, the flow of the game. And so that, that defensive front, you know, works hand in hand with that. But yeah, I agree that, you know, if you were the 49ers, you, you know, if you could take your pick of the playoff teams, I think if it wasn't the Cardinals in this spot, it would be the right. Ra- I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's the team that you know. And so mm-hmm. um, they don't scare you, even if the on, on paper talent is superior. 
they don't scare you. I mean, the track record says that the Niners probably should be favored here. And I, I, I you know, this is a, another one where um, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the 49ers, you know, sweep them, they move on. I think from a fan perspective, it'd be a little more fun to see a team like the Rams in the Super Bowl. I, I think, you know, I'm, we're a little bit spoiled having watched the Bills-Chiefs playoff game. I think that yeah. that has to be like the standard for playoff entertainment. And so, you know, if I'm selfishly looking at potential Super Bowl matchups, I like the idea of a, of a Chiefs-Rams kind of, you know, back and forth sh- shootout. But um, it's going to be a it's going to be a, a good one. I think real step up uh, prove it time for Sean McVay. Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, he's obviously the worst. I think maybe even came into the playoffs, even below Jalen Hurts and, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think, who, oh, Ben Roethlisberger at the point in his career where he was as yeah. as the worst quarterback, the, the least talented and least accomplished of the 12 quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. They're winning in, in spite of their quarterback, right? I mean, can, can, can Jimmy Garoppolo actually get to another Super Bowl playing the way he is? How... how Maybe a better question. How is Kyle Shanahan working around his quarterback? Yeah, I mean, every, so everything, every uh, facet of the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation. Um, so, like, for example, the, the question, can the, can the 49ers get to the Super Bowl with the way he's playing now? I would say yes, if everything around him is, is working correctly. I mean, so it's, you know, the, the thing with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know that the most accurate statement is that they're winning in spite of him. It's just that... Um, they're never winning because of him. I mean, does that make sense? I mean, oh yeah, so yeah. I think there's just there's a really really small difference between the two. I mean, like I I don't know that he's he's actively on a weekly basis holding them back, but he's not really pushing them forward. So he he is the you know if you're looking for the definition of the serviceable quarterback, I mean it would be Jimmy Garoppolo. He is he is uh, a notch or three below your your kind of Kirk Cousins, the guys where you think. You know, they can make a play or two here. You can pay them to be a starter, but they're never going to be the one that lifts you. Um, so he's he's right there. Like when I think of him, I, even the number like 15 and 16 comes to mind because I've done, you know, quarterback rankings every week this year <laughs> where we go 1 through 32, and he's just he's planted in that yeah. spot. And so, um, you know, in terms of like quarterbacks, I would much rather trust – the arm talent of Matthew Stafford, you know, he, he really showed it off at the end of the Bucks game. But the thing is, Kyle Shanahan has, he has a system there. And he's, you know, it's a rarity, I think, in today's NFL where um, the system can consistently overshadow the quarterback. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen, like, we've got Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Matthew Stafford in the previous round, Josh Allen, Tom Brady. Those are all bona fide franchise, you know, 30, 40, $50 million quarterbacks. And so Kyle Shanahan is the exception, not the rule, I think. And, and, and that's the reason I think the system is so built up well around him. You know, they've found whoever's running the ball has done well in that system. Debo Samuel's done well. The defense is, is, is doing well. So I still like the Rams in this matchup, but I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. Last thing for you on the conference championship games here, uh, and I wanted to see, you know, it sounds like you're picking the Rams to, to, to beat the 49ers here on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Sean McVay is a guy who is seen around the league as a very smart coach, a very qualified coach. He obviously is good enough to get the Rams to the playoffs. He seems to do things in every game that make you scratch your head. He gets too conservative. He doesn't go for it on, on fourth down when he should. He seems to... 
he, he seems to let the opponent dictate to him what's going to happen sometimes. And I think that's what we saw in Tampa. Now, he can't help the fumbles, but at the same time, I think they, I think he did a lot of things, especially right before halftime with, with how he approached uh, trying to get a, one last score before halftime. I am not enamored with, with Sean McVay as a head coach. I feel like the Rams' defense may be McVay-proof, but am I too hard on him? Is Sean McVay, what is, how good is he to, to, in your eyes as a head coach in this league? Well, honestly, I think it's, it's so fitting that the coach he's going up against is Kyle Shanahan because I think you could say some similar things about Kyle Shanahan in terms of reputation kind of uh, overshadowing actual production. Hmm. Um, so, for example, Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, the two times that his teams have had winning records, I mean, they've gone really deep in the playoffs. They've made deep runs there going for championships. But he's had, mm-hmm. um, if you look at the resume with Kyle Shanahan, let me just pull up um, his record because if you were to take away, you know, the last time, it's, it's tough, you can't just remove it. But his head right. coaching record as, a, as the 49ers coach, he's had three losing seasons in five years. And mm-hmm. there was a stretch there this year where it looked like they were almost going to have one. So yeah. I think that there's this, there's an idea of who Kyle Shanahan is, and then, you know, there's the actual coach. And I think the same thing applies with Sean McVay, maybe even more, like you're alluding to. There's this idea that Sean McVay, because he came in young, he's got these extremely innovative ideas, these creative ways of doing things, super aggressive. And I remember back when the, the Rams went to the Super Bowl, the year after the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, you know, there's all this buzz about Sean McVay, uh, and he was very conservative in some huge spots, especially during yeah. that Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. And that was a year after Doug Peterson, you know, uh, was extremely aggressive <laughs> right. and won the and Super Bowl. And so <laughs> they were they were kind of just extreme contrasts, even though McVay got this glowing buzz. And so I struggle. I think maybe it's a little too far to say uh, he's he's overrated because you know you look at his his head coaching record. Uh, 11 wins, 13 wins, 9, 10, 12. I mean, he's had the Rams in the mix. Um, mm. He's had talented rosters. I mean, obviously the, the front office is working in his favor, uh, you know, saying forget the draft picks. We'll bring in all the guys who, who know <laughs> yeah. how to play. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a big prove-it moment because if he can't get over this one against Shanahan, um, there's going to be some real questions there. Especially at home, yeah, I think that's I think that's true. I, one of the most startling moments to me, I remember uh, Sean McVay. Well, they they had the mic'd up of Super Bowl Fifty Three, and McVay going to Belichick before the game for the you know, oh, yeah. pre pregame handshake, and just oh, you're so great, you're so great. You're just, I mean, it was clear he how deferential he was, and I, I think he was a little psyched out by going up against Belichick in that game. Whereas the year before, Peterson was just very casual, like two two peers yeah. having a discussion, and I felt that that played out in the games. Like Peterson wasn't afraid of the of the moment wasn't intimidated by Belichick and it's when McVeigh talked to Belichick before the game it seemed like like a mentor yeah. meeting his mentee for the first time and you know, you know? some of that may have uh, I can I can see why it may have been that way and we can I think it's it's fair to to fault him for that because they did end up losing that Super Bowl but I think it's fair to see or, or it's easy to see why that might have been the case you talk about you know just comparing him to Doug Peterson for example when the Eagles hired Doug Peterson the expectations were pretty darn low. Um, And so no one really saw them, especially after all the injuries during the Super Bowl year, no one saw them getting there. And so even Doug Peterson is frankly probably a little surprised. Like, I'm actually like, I'm within (laughs) 60 minutes of upsetting Tom Brady and Bill Belichick with Nick Foles at quarterback. And so on the flip side, Sean McVay, young, hyped, coming into Los Angeles, a huge market. He had won 11 games his first year. 
13 the next. And so you can see why um, maybe you should have had more confidence, but you can see why maybe the pressure was a little more on there. Well, once we get past the Super Bowl, we're going to be talking to Cody a whole lot more this offseason to talk free agency. We'll talk about where all the big quarterbacks are going to go, and we'll talk about the direction of the Eagles a little bit, too. Uh, we'll pick his brain about Jalen Hurts and uh, you know what the Eagles might do in the draft. So lots to talk about after the Super Bowl. But uh, between now and then, make sure you're reading all of his stuff over at CBS Sports by following him on Twitter at Cody J. Benjamin. He's got a really good piece out right now ranking the best possible 2022 Super Bowl matchups. I think you just heard um, he's, uh, he's leaning towards Chiefs versus Rams as the best matchup. I love the 49ers-Bengals idea because I'm a child of the 80s, Cody. And so it'd be the third Bengals-49ers matchup in the Super Bowl. The Bengals' third time in the Super Bowl. They've only played the 49ers if it comes to pass where it's Bengals-49ers. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, and Th- you know they would they would tie Pittsburgh and Dallas. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's only been one matchup that where the two teams have met three times, and that's Pittsburgh Dallas. So yeah. um, that would be a unique matchup for sure. But you're right, maybe not the most uh, high high profile matchup between those teams. But anyway, check out Cody's piece there and follow him on Twitter. Cody, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. I appreciate you. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Well, up next, we're going to talk about Andy Reid and Doug Peterson. Why isn't Doug Peterson getting more love for some of these available coaching jobs that are out there right now? And if Andy Reid manages to win on Sunday, I just asked Cody the question, where does he rank among the all-time greats? I'll tell you where I think he ranks. We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So I want to talk a little bit about Doug Peterson and the coaching search that is going on around the NFL right now. Ruben Frank of NBC Sports Philadelphia wrote a piece about this, and it's something that I've been thinking about too. He kind of beat me to the punch, darn it. Uh, But Ruben does an amazing job, and he makes a lot of really good points about Doug Peterson. Why is he still sitting on the shelves? Why hasn't somebody scooped him up? He took this year off. 
after he was fired by the Eagles last offseason because he wanted total control of his coaching staff. And listen, I, I agree with the with Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman in that I didn't agree with the guys that Doug Peterson wanted to move forward with, but I still, I still believe and I still feel like Doug Peterson should have had an opportunity to coach the 2021 season with the coaches that he chooses as a Super Bowl winning head coach. He was not given that opportunity. That was the Eagles' prerogative. The Eagles made the playoffs this year with Nick Sirianni. We'll see what happens with that long term. Doug Peterson took this year off. It wasn't enough time for him to find another head coaching job when he was let go by the Eagles. And it was widely assumed that this offseason, he should be a pretty hot commodity. After all, Super Bowl winning head coaches do not grow on trees. But for some reason, after getting a couple of interviews initially... Doug Peterson does not seem to be a finalist for any of the jobs that are out there. He interviewed with the Jaguars back on January 6th, so a few weeks ago, and then he interviewed a couple of weeks ago on January 12th with the Chicago Bears. Um, There was a... As Ruben Frank noted, there were reports that he was going to get an interview with the Vikings, but uh, it, it's not clear whether or not he actually did go to Minnesota for an interview with the Vikings. Then on Thursday, one of the two jobs in which Peterson interviewed for was filled by the Bears, Matt uh, was filled by the Bears when they hired Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. Now, I think it's interesting that a guy like Matt Eberflus, who has no head coaching experience, obviously, he's a defensive coordinator in an offense-first league, he gets the first job out of the gate. Former Lions head coach Jim Caldwell and Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn both uh, interviewed for that job as well, and neither of them got it. Eberflus gets the job over those two guys. Uh, the Jaguars are known to have given second interviews to three candidates, Eberflus, Nathaniel Hackett, and Bucks offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. So... I think that there is some kind of a uh, a belief that Peterson had a pretty good shot with the Bears once Chicago brought on board their new executive director of player uh, the, pardon me the Chiefs former executive director of player personnel Ryan Poles to be their general manager they hired him on Tuesday Poles worked with Peterson in Kansas City when both were there from 2013 to 2015 and interestingly enough Peterson didn't get the job. It didn't seem like he even got a second interview with the Chicago Bears. Instead, Poles went with Eberflus, and those two have never worked together. So with Sean Payton now having resigned from the New Orleans Saints, kind of surprisingly, on Wednesday, nine teams still need a head coach. The Saints, the Broncos, the Texans, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Vikings, and the Giants, as well as the Jaguars. So, I mean, sorry, that's eight teams. The Saints, Broncos, Texans, Raiders, Dolphins, Vikings, Giants. Uh, That's eight teams as well as the Jaguars. So it's actually nine teams. Yes, nine teams need a head coach. I was right the first time. I don't understand it. Well, you know what? I do understand it. You know what's at the root of this? It's pride. And I don't think it's Doug Peter pride on Doug Peterson's part, although I could be wrong about that. But Peterson has always struck me as a relatively humble guy. When he was when he was the head coach, he seemed to be very inclusive as far as ideas were concerned. He wasn't afraid to change his game plan to make things work. He did that with Nick Foles in the Super Bowl run. Every time Carson Wentz went down, he had to move on. He was very deferential to Carson Wentz while Wentz was here, allowing Wentz to basically do whatever he wanted on the field. Until finally, Doug Peterson said, enough is enough. We're going to run what I want to run. 
And it obviously didn't work out last year because the whole year was a disaster. The front office tried to cobble together uh, a coaching a coaching structure there that none of the pieces worked together. It was, a, it was just a total mess. And some of that is going to be on Doug Peterson. It certainly seemed like he grew very tired of Howie Roseman breathing down his neck and Jeff Lurie over top of him, calling him into the office after the Green Bay win when, when they had uh, upset the Packers on a Thursday night game by exposing Green Bay's porous run defense a few seasons ago. And then Jeff Lurie wants to know why they're not throwing the ball more. I mean, this is the kind of stuff, if you're a Super Bowl winning head coach, you shouldn't have to deal with anymore. Peterson's career record of 42-37-1 gives him a 531 winning percentage. He took, the, he took the Eagles to the playoffs three straight years, and granted, in each season, he went, he went, um, he didn't go as far each year. He won the Super Bowl, obviously, after the 2017 season, made it to the divisional round in 2018, and then was knocked out in the first round when Carson Wentz was cheap-shotted by Jadavian Clowney in 2019. Nevertheless, those teams that Doug Peterson had, especially in 2018 and 2019, were among the most injury-riddled teams in the NFL, and yet he continued to take them to the postseason year after year. He's a really good head coach. So when I say that there's pride going on here, I don't think it's Doug Peterson's pride. I'll bet you there are some of these jobs, whether it's the Saints, the Broncos, Texans, Raiders, Dolphins, Vikings, Giants, or Jaguars, that Peterson is not interested in. Like, do you want to go play for New Orleans where you have no future at quarterback? Uh, the Texans, the Broncos, I mean, maybe the Raiders, depending on what they do with Derek Carr, that could be an interesting job. Uh, the Dolphins could be an interesting job. Um, you know, with the Vikings, you have Kirk Cousins. Is there anybody who can fix Kirk Cousins with the Giants? You know, I think they have an interesting general manager. It'll be interesting to see if they if he goes outside, you know, former Bills assistant general manager, if he brings somebody aboard from the Bills coaching tree. But nevertheless, there is some there's only a few head coaching jobs available in this world. And you would think that Doug Peterson does want to be a head coach again. Don't forget, this is a man who out coached Bill Belichick. I watched Super Bowl 52 again this week. I watched the whole game again. Doug Peterson out coached Bill Belichick in that game. His scheme was so good. His play calling was so good in that game. The, the Patriots couldn't stop him during that stretch run in the NFC Championship game and in the Super Bowl. I've never seen anything like it. Doug Peterson can coach in this NFL. He needs a good he needs a quarterback, but so does every NFL head coach. I think the pride comes in on these owners and these general managers, some of them new, some of them will be existing general managers, who want to hire the hot new coordinator, right? They want to hire the, the, the hot name, the, the new guy. They, they want to be the ones to discover their own Doug Peterson, right? They want to be the ones to unearth their own Super Bowl winning quarterback. They want to be able to go and say, I picked this guy up that nobody else wanted. And I want to, de- maybe it's that the GMs want to develop their own head coaches. If you bring Doug Peterson in, he's coming in with an all, with a plan set in place, an idea already set up. And I agree, we for a long time in the NFL, we had, there was way too much recycling of head coaches going on. The same guys who had no, had no success, mediocre head coaches continued to get jobs. Mike McCarthy is one of those guys. I mean, he won a Super Bowl, but it had been a long time ago. It's pretty clear Mike McCarthy is a mediocre head coach. Is Doug Peterson Mike McCarthy? Maybe, but there's no way you can say that right now. Maybe one day that's what we'll say about Doug Peterson. But right now, you 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 have a guy out here who has a Super Bowl title in his back pocket less than five years ago. A guy who has been to the playoffs as soon as, as recently as two years ago. 
and he's not even getting a sniff. He's not even a, a realistic uh, hire for some of these teams. Maybe there's stuff going on underneath the sea that we don't understand. And I have, listen, if you want to go out and you want to bring in Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, and I understand Byron Leftwich has done really good things with, with Tom Brady and Tampa. Th- those guys make sense. All right, Dayball with the, with the Bills, he deserves a head coaching job. That makes sense. And guys like Leslie Frazier deserve another shot at, 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 at being a head coach. That, that all makes sense to me. Those guys are very qualified. And maybe 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 Matt Eberfluss will surprise us. But this just, just screams of a, hey, look at me hire. I'm going to get the guy. I'm going to get the under-the-radar guy. Like, the, you have – this is the first job filled, and this is the guy you choose? I'm not criticizing necessarily hiring Matt Eberfluss. He might be good, but when you've got Doug Peterson just kind of waiting in the wings here, and it's possible Doug didn't want to go to Chicago – and maybe Doug still wants to bring some of his assistant coaches with him to his next job, and, and teams don't want that. I, we don't know all the ins and outs, but I just think it's very interesting that Doug Peterson is not even a hot name with nine teams still looking for a head coach. So maybe that'll pick up here over the next couple of weeks or so. But these jobs are going to start getting filled, and we're just not hearing Doug Peterson's name connected to any of them. I think that's absolutely insane. I do want to finish talking a little bit about Andy Reid, and and you heard me ask Cody this question just a few minutes ago. If Andy Reid somehow is able to, and not somehow, they're going to be, they're favored by a touchdown to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, but by all rights, Andy Reid is going to go to another Super Bowl this year, and he will likely be favored no matter who comes out of the NFC, whether it's the Rams or the 49ers in the Super Bowl. So let's, let's say, Let's let's say Reed earns his 20th postseason win this weekend. That would tie him with Tom Landry for the second most postseason wins by a coach in NFL history. Only Bill Belichick has 31 wins in the postseason. Okay? He's the only one with more than 20. So Bill, it's, it's Bill Belichick as far as greatest head coaches in NFL history, and then it's everybody else. And yes, he has separated himself from Vince Lombardi. But I wonder, what do we think of where Andy Reid is? He's been around forever. He has coached in this league for 23 years with two different teams, and he has led his team to the playoffs 17 times. There have only been six seasons in Andy Reid's 23 years where he has not been to the playoffs. Reid would also become the first NFL head coach with 10 postseason wins for two different teams. He won 10 postseason games with the Eagles, and he's looking for his 10th with the Chiefs on Sunday afternoon. That's insane. Don Shula is currently tied with Reed for third place with 19 postseason wins. Joe Gibbs is next with 17 postseason wins. And uh, you've got a guy in Andy Reed who's been to two Super Bowls. He's won one of them. And he's also led two different teams, the Eagles and Chiefs, to four straight conference championship games. He's the only coach in NFL history to do that. So where do we, where do we put Andy Reed as far as greatest coaches in NFL history? Especially, especially if he wins the Super Bowl. I, I think you've got to rank him. I think you've got to rank him at number three, maybe number four. I'll start. I think here's my list. It's Belichick number one. I guess you still have to go. He won five championships in seven seasons. I think you have to go with Vince Lombardi at number two. And I think you have to go with Bill Walsh, who created an entirely new system of offense, won three Super Bowls doing it. 
and created a whole new offense that coaches today are still using with the West Coast offense. When you talk about geniuses, Bill Walsh was a football genius. And I think he's probably number three on my list. And then I think even right now, I have Andy Reid at number four. Behind Bill Belichick, Vince Lombardi, and Bill Walsh, I've got Andy Reid at number four. I think I've got Don Shula at number five. I'll have Tom Landry at six, Chuck Knoll at seven, and maybe you put maybe Knoll goes ahead of Shula because of his four Super Bowl titles. Let me let me do this. All right, let's let's start it over. It's Bill Belichick one, Vince Lombardi two, Bill Walsh three, Andy Reid four, Chuck Knoll five, Don Shula six, Tom Landry seven, Joe Gibbs eight. Let's say I don't know Bill Cowher at number nine. Bill Cowher coached forever. You have Bill Cower maybe at number nine, Dan Reeves at number ten, maybe. Does that sound that sound doable to everybody else? But I think Andy Reid is a top five NFL head coach of all time, even just right now. And I think that's I think that's how he's ultimately going to be remembered one day. We we are we are witnessing right now two of the four greatest head coaches in NFL history with Bill Belichick and Andy Reid. It would be kind of cool to see Belichick and Andy Reid go at it in the Super Bowl one more time. Belichick owned Andy Reid. Andy Reid has grown a lot as a head coach, too, over the years. He doesn't make make nearly the mistakes with time management. He's so much better at coaching in the big games. The Andy Reid um, galaxy brain moves that we saw when he was with the Eagles don't happen nearly as much. And frankly, he's a much better quarterback. I, I like Donovan McNabb. I thought he was... I thought he was a great quarterback when he was with the Eagles, but as I have gone back and watched some more of these of these NFC Championship games, the Eagles lost over the years in the Super Bowl that they lost. Donovan McNabb absolutely killed them in the championship game against the Buccaneers, against the Panthers, and then in the, and then in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. He had horrible games. The game plans by Andy Reid were pretty sound. Now I don't know what the heck was going on with the with the with the slow motion final drive in Super Bowl Thirty Nine. I mean, that was Andy Reid's big gaffe in that game. But before then, he was out coaching Belichick. Remember remember Spygate. I, I still believe that the Patriots cheated in order to get uh, in order to make their corrections in the second half and, and totally flip the script and turn and turn the game around. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I would love to see those two guys match up just one more time, just one more time in their careers, but it probably won't happen as both of them are now uh, coaching in the AFC. So we might just have a couple of more AFC championship games between those two guys before all is said and done. And it certainly doesn't look like Andy Reid is going anywhere anytime soon. Would you leave if you have Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a championship maker and Andy Reid, if he just sticks around and sticks with Patrick Mahomes, could have another couple of championships and maybe would even move higher on the list. You need a great quarterback in order to move pretty high up these lists. And all the, all the coaches I just mentioned have those guys or had those guys. And so uh, Andy Reid, a top four, in my mind, NFL head coach of all time, even now before, any, before anything happens on Sunday afternoon against the Bengals. All right. Let me give you my official my official prediction uh, for these two games here. And you know that before the season, I've mentioned it a couple times, I picked the 49ers to win it all. I had them beating the Titans, and obviously that's not going to happen. But I still think the San Francisco 49ers, the way their defense is playing, and the fact that they have beaten the Rams twice already this year, I think Kyle Shanahan has Sean McVay's number. 
And so I'm going to go, I'm going to disagree with Cody. I'm going to take the 49ers to win this game. And it's partly because I picked them in, uh, in the preseason to win it all. I think they find a way to do it with Jimmy Garoppolo and that defense and that running game. They seem to know what to do to stop the Rams. I think it's going to be a close game. It'll be relatively low scoring. I have it 24-23, 49ers over the Rams. And then uh, in the uh, AFC Championship game, I really would love to see the Bengals win. It'd be great for their fans to see them back in the Super Bowl. I'd love a rematch of those two classic 1980s Super Bowls between the 49ers and the Bengals. The, the second one's certainly more of a classic than the first one with Joe Montana's come-from-behind win on the final drive. But um, I think that it would be cool to see those two teams match up again, and it would tie Dallas and Pittsburgh for the most Super Bowl matchups of all time. I mean, really crazy. It would be if the Bengals and 49ers meet, the Bengals will have been will have played in three Super Bowls. All three of them will have been against the 49ers. I mean, just it would be a really weird string of events, and that's kind of what I'm rooting for. But I do think the Chiefs just have a little bit too much, despite the fact that Cincinnati beat Kansas City late in the season. Uh, I think it's going to be much different with this game in Kansas City. I think Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes both have a fantastic quarterback duel. Maybe not quite as good as the Josh Allen-Mahomes duel, but uh, I think this game will come down to the wire. But in the end, I think it'll be Chiefs 35, Bengals 31. And that'll do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks once again to Cody Benjamin for popping on the podcast. BGN Radio, by the way, has been nominated for the Sports Podcast Awards. Uh, So we would really appreciate it if you guys uh, went and voted for BGN Radio. Here's how you do it. Vote for BGN Radio in the Sports Podcast Awards by registering at sportspodcastawards.com. That's sportspodcastawards.com. Go to the best team podcast category. Listen to the clip that we have on there. Uh, It's a six-minute clip of some of our highlights from from the season. And then after you do that, you can vote for Bleeding Green Nation as the sports team podcast of of the year. Uh, at sportspodcastawards.com. Make sure you go and do that. Uh, That would be a big help, everybody. All right, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week here on Eye on the Enemy. B-G-N.